Let's pray. Oh, God, we've come to connect with you this morning in this Advent season. This is the, the joyous season of the year. This is when our hearts are thrown wide and through music we are swept up to where the Christ child came from. He's here through the Holy Spirit. Speak to us in these moments of teaching. Let the teaching be clear today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, did you, hear the, did you hear the news? It's out. The astronomers, they announced this, by the way, in the December 20, hasn't even come out yet, the December 20 Astrophysical Journal. Astronomers have announced, hold on, they have now found the most distant object ever seen in the universe. The most distant. Let me read a line or two from this press release. The record, the new record holder is the galaxy MACS0647-JD. What a name. Which is about, hold on to your pew now, which is about 13.3 billion light years away. Now, scientists believe that the known universe came into existence about 13.7 billion years ago. That means soon after its formation, this little cluster was created and its first light took 13.3 billion years to reach us. I'm going to show you a video clip. Watch the sky. See if you can see this. See if you can see the brand new discovery, the, the farthest object in the universe we've ever seen. Now notice it's going to identify so you know we're in the sky. That's Polaris. That's the North Star. Okay, that's the handle of the Little Dipper. There's the Big Dipper. We see it right over the field behind our house every night. We keep going now. We go further into space. We're looking for the farthest object ever seen, ever, in this universe. We're still going. We're going deep into deep space. And there in the distance, there, and it's not the bright lights, trust me, it's not the bright lights. You can barely see it there. 13.3 billion years light has taken from that spot to come to us. Now we go back further, further, going backwards and backwards in space. Talking about time warp. You, do you know that this little cluster is, it's a small one. It's only 600 light years across. 600 light years. You say, well, Dwight, that's huge. No, the Milky Way where we are is 150,000 light years. So this is a tiny little cluster. I want to give you a picture of the cluster. This is an infrared picture of that galaxy, the furthest known object in the universe. Isn't she pretty? Wow. Something only a mother could love. <laughs> or a creator. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. The most distant object in the universe we have ever seen. But this morning I wish to draw your attention to the most distant object in the universe we have ever met. One line, tiny little line from a very tiny little book in the New Testament. Open your Bible now to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. Just a single line. Just a single line. I want you to meet him. 2 Peter chapter 1. Not Peter. I want you to meet what's embedded in this galaxy. Just a hint in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. By the way, if you didn't bring a Bible, grab the Pew Bible in front of you. Let me give you, give you the page number, 817 in your Pew Bible. 
Here it comes. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. I'm in the New King James Version. Any translation you have, fine by me. Let's go. Verse 19. And so we have, let's put it on the screen. There it is. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You catch that line? The morning star rises. The title of this final mini-series in this semester. Look, we began with the dark night rises. It seems appropriate we end with the morning star rises. So here's the question. What is this morning star? What is this morning star? Now look, on this planet, you know what the morning star is. When I get up early to run, I'm looking off toward the east, above the horizon where the sun will eventually rise, there is this, this white piercing beacon of light. It is a bright star. It is a beautiful star, and as you know, it's not even a star. It's the planet Venus. Greek word here, phosphorus. From whence comes our word phosphorus. The morning star. So what is this morning star that Peter describes here? That Sue Zork read just a moment ago in that reading. That was a really nice uh, Holy Spirit coincidence that you read a moment ago in that... Uh, Narration for the peace, Sue. So. so what is this morning star? I'd like to do a little sleuthing with you. Let, 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 let's put this together. You're going to need the study guide to do it. You already have the study guide, so we're not sending the ushers by you. But while you're pulling your study guide out, I want to welcome those of you who are watching on uh, television right now or live streaming. We're delighted to have you. I want to give you the website. You can get the same. You can do this sleuthing with us right now by going to our website. Let me put it on the screen for you. There it is, www.pmchurch.tv. pmchurch.tv. You're looking for the series, brand new miniseries. We've had three minutes. This is number three of this semester, and it ends now in the month of December. This is the third miniseries, The Morning Star Rises. You're looking for the first one. First teaching is entitled Silent Night. Click on the Silent Night. It'll say Study Guide. Click on the Study Guide. You can do the sleuthing with us. Let's go. All right? What is this morning star? We're going to put the pieces together like a little puzzle. By the, by the time the five pieces are together, I hope it's clear for us. Piece number one, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Let's read it again. And so we have, Peter writing, the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Grab your pen. Fill it in, please. What's Peter talking about? Peter here is associating the morning star with the bright light of prophecy that shines into the dark night just before the dawn breaks. You've heard about breaking dawn? This is just before the dawn breaks. When I go out running in the early morning, I carry a halogen flashlight with me. Do you know why I carry a halogen flashlight with me? Because I am a chicken. I'm afraid of the dark. I carry that halogen light, and I tell you what, this, some of my fear dissipates because the purpose of that light is to brighten in the darkness the pathway ahead of me. I have to know where I'm headed. I want to see, are there any obstacles, any twist or turn that I need to be aware of? So number one, I need to see what's ahead in the darkness, but number two, I also carry that halogen light to defend me from an enemy. The other morning, I'm telling you the truth. The other morning, it is dark, and I'm running on a, a not my usual route, another route. I've, I've been on that route before. But as I'm running in the darkness, I hear behind me this sound. Can you hear it? 
That is the sound of paw nails. Do you know what paw nails are? They're nails that grow in a paw. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. And every runner is trained to instinctively, even if you have your headphones on, to hear that click, 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 click in the dark. I grab my halogen light and I whirl around just in time to see a German shepherd, neither a German nor a shepherd, coming with his, with his fangs bared. And suddenly there was a primal scream that scared him and me. <laughs> it was me. I am still dripping with adrenaline to this day. But I want to tell you, listen to me carefully, that light, that light in the darkness saved my life. Saved my life. That's why we have prophecy. Write it down in your study guide. Like a halogen light, prophecy is a divine gift designed to, one, help us see what lies ahead in the dark. That's very important. And two, help us ward off the enemy in that darkness. Whew. You say, do I? Gets my heart rate going just thinking about it. You say, do I don't say anything here about an enemy? Well, because you don't know that the Greek word there for dark place can be translated dark place, squalid place, dirty place. And there's only one being in this universe I know who 24-7 lives in a dark, dank, squalid, dirty place. That's the enemy. And that's why we have this light. So whoever, whatever this morning star is, it is thoroughly linked to the prophetic. It is thoroughly linked to the apocalyptic. All right, just five pieces. Here comes piece number two. Jot it down. No, first let's read it before you jot it down. I want you to go to a book you haven't been to in 100 years. The book of Ezekiel. Go back to the Old Testament. Book of Ezekiel. If you have the Pew Bible, the page number will help you get there faster than the rest of us. Page 590. Ezekiel. Can you find Ezekiel? When was the last time you've been in Ezekiel? Some of you never. I want you to go to a little prophetic piece here. This is Ezekiel chapter 43. Ezekiel 43. He's in vision. So this is prophetic. He's in vision. Ezekiel 43 verse 1. Afterward, he, this angel, brought me to the gate. The gate that faces toward the, what direction is that? East. East. Key word. Verse 2. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the, what direction is that? The east. His voice was like God's voice. His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what is it that every day on this planet, no matter where you live, unless you're in the Antarctic or the Arctic, every 24 hours, what is it that ascends? What is it? The sun. Higher and higher, brighter and brighter, until the whole earth is bathed in its glory. Isn't that right? Isn't it, isn't it a sunrise? And by the way, the sun is the true morning star. This solar system has one star, and it's the sun. It's not Venus. The sun is the true morning star. What's Ezekiel telling us here? Jot it down, will you please? Jot it down. Ezekiel here describes the glory of God like a sunrise that floods the earth. Five pieces. Here comes piece number three, Malachi. 
Last book of the Old Testament, you won't have a hard time finding this because you'll run into Matthew and then you'll know just go back one book and it's Malachi. The last chapter of the Old Testament is Malachi 4. Let's go there. Malachi chapter 4. We're doing a little bit of sleuthing, a little bit of investigating. We're going to put five pieces together. We have to understand what this morning star is because it's obviously critical. All right, Malachi chapter 4. God is speaking, verse 2. But to you who fear my name, did you ever hear about an angel? Oh, wait a minute. We just did a miniseries with three angels in it, didn't we? Did you hear about an angel who said, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth the sea and the springs of water? <laughs> to you who fear me, God is speaking, but to you who fear my name, the Son, capital S, of righteousness, capital R, shall arise, like the morning sun, with healing in His wings or in His rays. What's happening here? Ezekiel describes the glory of God like a rising sun that floods the earth. Malachi comes along and turns that rising sun into a being whose light brings healing to those who fear God. Jot it down, please. Malachi 4. Malachi personifies the rising sun, capital R, capital S. Malachi personifies the rising sun whose light brings healing to those who fear God. Wow. Just two more pieces left. Piece number four, Revelation. Ah, you can find that one, the Bible's last book. Go to the Apocalypse with me, please. Revelation chapter 18. Last book. Find verse 18. We're putting a puzzle together. Who, what is this morning star? Revelation 18, verse 1. After these things, John writes, I saw another angel. Three angels one morning. We just finished that miniseries. We end up having three miniseries in this one semester. Three, three angels. This is not one of the three. This is at the same time, but not one of the three. This is the fourth angel. I call this angel, for, for lack of a better, better name, just the fourth angel. I saw another angel. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. Do you remember where you just read that line? The earth was illuminated with his glory? John just went down to Ezekiel 43, the well of Ezekiel 43, and he dipped his pen and he's now borrowing the very language of Ezekiel 43. So we know it's not the glory of the angel because Ezekiel 43 says it's the glory of Almighty God that shines over the earth. Isn't that amazing? E Ezekiel says one day there will be the glory of God that covers the earth. Malachi comes along and says, by the way, that's not just the glory of a son. That's the son himself. And John takes those two and he says, guys, let me push this. I'm the last prophet in the canon. And he pushes it all the way down. And he says, it's going to happen right here, just before the end of the, end of the earth, end of the world. Said, well, how do we know this is just before the end of the world? Well, look at the next verse. And he, this fourth angel, cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen. We just had that te teaching, didn't we? Babylon, Babylonian confusion. I don't have to unpack to you who Babylon is. Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen and has, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison of every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of Babylon, my people. Oh, that's an important corrective. Sometimes, sometimes we get caught up in this Babylon identification, and we forget that as far as God is concerned, he has a whole lot of his children in Babylon. He says, it's time, guys. We're running out of time. I'm about to return. Get out now. Quick, 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 quick. Come out of her, my people. Now, notice the next line. 
lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Has to be at the end of time. The plagues are about to fall. Come out now, guys, quick. What's going on here? Would you jot it down, please? Revelation 18. John takes the explosion of the glory of the Son of God, described by Ezekiel and Malachi, and places that global event at the end of time. Jot that down. At the end of time. You know why I find this such great news? Listen, let, let me share this with you. Here's why I believe this is good news. When the dark night rises again, we're in the dark night rising right now. When the dark night rises and Babylon rules the earth once again, by the way, for a very short season of time, it's not a long rule, it's short. Apparently, God is not going to be wringing his hands and standing on the sidelines side saying, oh no, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Ruthless Babylon is loose again. What shall we do? Are you kidding? What we have just read is a divine promise that in the midst of Babylonian darkness and confusion, God is going to seize that end game moment and he is going to ignite it like the sun that arises in the east. And the whole earth will explode, explode with the glory of God, with the glory of the one who says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Back, would you jot it down, please? Babylonian confusion, American confusion, global confusion, the three teachings we just finished. Here's the good news, ladies and gentlemen. Jot it down. We have no reason to fear the end game because the last word always belongs to God. Say hallelujah if you think that's good news. Hallelujah. The last word always belongs to God. Keep, keep reading and write. And his last word will be an explosion of the glory of Christ Jesus throughout the earth. God wins, not Babylon. Good news. And the earth was illuminated with his glory. Reminds me of the prophet Isaiah who went to worship one Sabbath and suddenly in worship, just boom, the walls fell, fell apart and he heard the angel singing. Look at this, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. And one angel cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Reminds me of the ancient prophet Habakkuk who came after Isaiah, Isaiah and predicted, this is Habakkuk 2.4, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, the whole earth and the oceans. John takes those two moves by his announcement, the event to the very end of time, just before the return of Christ, and the whole earth will be filled with his glory. Final piece. Piece number five. Let's, let's put it together. It's the last page of your Bible. Revelation 22. Here's a line that Sue Zork, just a moment ago, quoted in her narration of that beautiful anthem that, that immediately preceded our teaching today. This is a line right here. In my Bible, I've got, I have it in red letters. This is Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. Put it on the screen, please. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am, and by the way, in the Greek, ego eimi. I am, it should be all caps in the English. I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the bright and morning star. Ladies and gentlemen, there is the answer to our query. What is this morning star? Would you scribble it down, please? Revelation 22, verse 16. Jesus is the morning 
star. Jesus is the morning star. Look, I'm a baby boomer, but when I grew up as a kid, we were singing a song around the church, and I predict that even though you're not a baby boomer, you know this song, and I'd like you to sing it with me. It's a song that goes like this. Everybody ought to know. Okay, hold on. Good, good. I, I see you know it. Okay, so we're going to cut it down right here. You guys are on this side of the church. You guys are on this side of the church. I'm going to start this side of the church. You know all about the drill. You've done it before. We'll start it over here. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Who Jesus is. Okay. He's the lily of the valley. Here it comes. He's the bright head morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand. Everybody. ladies and gentlemen. He is the bright and morning star. He is the bright and rising sun. He is the end game. He is the end game. The last chapter is all about him. And everybody ought to know. What do you say to that? Amen. Okay, so here's the question. May I ask you this? Who is the star of your life? Who is the star of your life? When you awaken the dawn, do you hurry off to a corner to be alone with the morning star? When you trudge through the tedious routines of a long and wearying day, does the beacon, of the beacon light of the morning star penetrate your frazzled mind with a word of peace and, shh, it's okay, I am with you. And at midnight, when you collapse into those rumpled sheets and you try to find sleep for a few hours, do you sense him there, the morning star who says, Great day. Thank you for having me. Hey, listen, may I be very candid with you right now? Very candid. I'm concerned. I am concerned for a community like this, be honest with you, I hesitated to even plunge into the second coming mini-series this semester because of my concern. Now, it's true. I announced this at the beginning of these three mini-series. I announced, you know what, we did a survey last spring, and we did. Got all of, all of your responses, and the number one request, the number one request, Dwight, would you preach on the second coming? What I didn't announce to you at the beginning of this semester is that that request is the number one request every single year when we survey this campus and congregation. You'd like to have it all year long. And the reason we went into it this time was I simply decided this would be a good time to go back to a familiar theme. The reason I have hesitated and still hesitate to preach on the second coming of Christ is because I have observed that if we are not careful, the red meat 
of apocalyptic prophetic study and teaching can quickly and easily become a substitute for the greater gifts and the greatest, capital G, gift of all. I am concerned for a people who are embedded in prophecy, for an apocalyptic movement like this one. I fear that for us, prophecy could become a dangerous and even fatal attraction, distraction, from the greater good and the greatest truth. For that reason, the morning star rises is intentionally ending our series. Because we dare not miss the profound teaching of Peter here. This is the secret for surviving the end game. Right here. Go back. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Don't miss it, please. And so... This is verse 19, Peter writing, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Did you catch that, ladies and gentlemen? The quest of prophetic study, the purpose of apocalyptic investigation is so that the morning star might rise in our hearts. Which is why it's inescapable, the mighty apocalypse, the great book of Revelation, it opens with these words, the revelation of, finish that sentence for me, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is not the revelation of the dragon. It is not the revelation of the beasts. It's not the revelation of the mark of the beasts. It's not the revelation of Babylon. It opens with the reminder, this book, this apocalyptic paradigm is the revelation of Jesus Christ. I fear for a movement that has somehow trained itself to think that if we master this prophetic paradigm, we'll be ready for the return of Christ. We will not be ready. Well, we've got 28, 29, what is it now, 30? Well, we've got these. Well, I'm glad we do. They're all in the book. But mastering the fundamental teachings of Scripture will not prepare you in and of itself, for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can come up with your time charts. You can come up with your hypotheses. I fear for a movement that has been here so long. We are grasping for one more piece to confirm that we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Surely we are on the brink of the return of Jesus. Well, I happen to believe he's coming soon myself. But if our passion is for prophetic truth. We've missed it. If our passion is for even revival and reformation, we've missed it. All of that is good. But the morning star rises is a solitary line embedded near the end of the New Testament to remind us that in the dark nights before the end, what counts is not the darkness, but the star that rises in the midst of the darkness. The morning star rises, and Jesus says, I am the bright and morning star. I am the story of the end game. Do you know what, it's, do you know what it means to have a passion for Jesus? Because sometimes we hear, well, we ought to have a passion for Jesus. Oh, great. Well, yeah, I have a passion for Jesus. Do you know what it means to live when you have a passion for Jesus. I'm going to take you back to Patrick. Ever heard of Patrick? He was no saint. It's very interesting, the story of Patrick. 
16-year-old English boy kidnapped by pirates, sailed across the channel, sold as a young slave in Ireland. You know Patrick of Ireland, don't you? The world remembers him as St. Patrick. He was no... Interestingly enough, Patrick's own theological choices alienated him from the church that would, uh, centuries later, decide to make him a saint in order to reach that island. Patrick was a Sabbatarian. Did you know that? He worshipped on the creation Sabbath. His young student, Columba, sailed away from Ireland to Ionia. Karen and I have been there, in that little island where he set up a base to be missionaries to Scotland and then England. They were Sabbatarians. That's all been obscured by the church that has co-opted him. Patrick, I want to share with you a prayer Patrick prayed. It's called the Lorica. Of Patrick. It's a prayer of protection. It's a morning prayer. And these are just a few words from it. But here's what it's like to live with the passion of Christ. Here's what I long for. I've scribbled these words in my Bible on the page between the Old and the New Testaments. I said, oh, Jesus, give me this kind of... Look, if Patrick had this passion, why can't I have it? Listen to this. Listen to this. Christ with me. Patrick writing. Christ before me. Christ behind me. You know what I want to do? I want to read these words out loud. I want you to feel what it's like to live with this kind of Christ-everything passion. Let's read these words. Start at the top again. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left. Christ where I lie. Christ where I sit. Christ where I arise. Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. That's called passion. Passion for Christ. Apparently, you can live with that passion and die with it. That's Peter's point. It'll be dark, dirty, squalid in that last chapter. But there will be a star, the morning star. I am that morning star, Jesus says. Christ in me. Christ above me. Christ below me. Christ beside me. That's passion. That's what it means. So how can we live with that passion? I'd like to close this teaching with a simple appeal. I would like you to consider making the morning star your north star. You know what the north star is? I mean, that little video clip we saw a moment ago, it opens with Polaris. Why? Because once you know where the north star is, you know where you are. You're not lost. I'd like to invite you, I'd like to invite you, Dwight, to make the morning star your north star. How can I do that? I mean, it's easy for you to say. I know it, so I'm going to give you now four simple steps to make the, no the morning star your north, north star. Jot these down, will you? Four simple steps to make the morning star your north star. They all begin with the letter B. Let's go. Put it on the screen, please. Number one, behold the morning star. Behold the morning star. 
This is what Paul, this is the way the mighty Apostle Paul, look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Write that in. That was, that was Paul's passion. Patrick, Paul, that was their passion. Look at, look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ. I want to know Him. Christ above me and below me, to my right and to my left. I want to know Him. And I want people, when they've walked away from me, to have Christ in their ear. I want them to have Christ on their lips. That's called passion. So, how do we live this one out? Put that next uh, line on the screen. The most concentrated glory, you know this, of the bright and morning star is in the Gospels. Capital G, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's in the Gospels. So read one story every dawn, every new day. Read one story from the life of Jesus. You want a passion for Christ? You better hang around Him. Start your day in the dormitory and your roommate sound asleep. Who cares? Do it. You, alone with the morning star. Number one, behold the morning star. Number two, brood over the morning star. You knew I'd find a way to get that B word in there, didn't you? Brood. People say, Dwight, you're always using the word brood. Very good. All right, brood. What's that mean? The Bible calls this meditate. Write that down, please. The Bible refers to this as meditating, brooding, ruminating. If you like the word ruminating, to me, I don't like ruminating. It sounds like you're about ready to throw up. <laughs> Brood, meditate, cogitate, ponder. The Bible calls it meditating. Look at David in Psalm 119, verse 148. My eyes are awake through the night watches. You know what? Sometimes, guys, it's okay to... Not stay up late just for this class and the major project due the next morning, but to stay up late just for the sake of the morning star. David said, I ended up spending the whole night. Well, how does he put it here? My eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. It's okay. It's okay to have a passion for the morning star. Number one, behold the morning star. Number two, brood over the morning star. Number three, and by the way, this brooding, don't do it fast. Come on, come on. What's the big rush? What is the rush? Just get up a little earlier. Don't rush yourself here. This is too critical. This is the morning star. This is your survival of the end game. Okay, behold the morning star, brood over the morning star. Number three, bow before the morning star. When you're through brooding over that story, just one story, you go to your knees. You can do this whether you're on the third floor of the ad building or in the basement of the dormitory. It doesn't matter who you are and what pecking order you fit into on this campus. This is for every human being to be alone with the morning star every day. I love this line from Steps to, the, Steps to Christ, that little classic. Put it on the screen, please. Through sincere prayer, thank you for writing that word in, through sincere prayer, we are brought into connection with the mind of the infinite. Oh, I love that little video clip. Just going deeper and deeper and deeper. Infinite, infinite, the mind of the Creator. Through prayer, we're put in contact with Him. Keep reading. We may have no remarkable evidence at the time. Look, I'm not feeling anything different. Nothing's happening to me. Are you sure I'm connected with a morning star? This is great. We may have no remarkable evidence at the time that the face of our Redeemer, read, the morning star, is bending over us. Isn't that beautiful? The risen Christ bending over us in compassion and love. But this is even so. You don't feel it, it's still so. Final line, we may not feel his visible touch, but Christ's hand is upon us in love and pitying tenderness, end quote. Isn't that beautiful? Hang on to that one. 
Four simple steps. Finally, number four, bring the morning star. After you've beheld it, after you've brooded over it, after you've bowed before it, now bring the morning star. You say, Dwight, what in the world does bring the morning star mean? Let me tell you this little story about a friend of mine, pastor friend of mine, Jerry Connell, uh, over in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. And Jerry was sharing the story with me. Their next-door neighbors were unchurched, not, not Christians next door, a little girl. Parents are going on a trip, so they say, would you watch our little girl for a few days while we're gone? So Jerry and Kathy bring the little girl into their home. They're very happy. One morning, Jerry announces, in the presence of their little guest, he announces, I'm going downstairs to have my devotions. And a little girl shot back, because you... You have a snack, you know, you go places to have some food. So she said, little girl, shut back. Would you bring some up when you're through? <laughs> she had no clue. Devotions, that must be food. Bring some so we can have some too. I love that. That's what happens when you're alone with a morning star. You come out of that time and you're bringing him with you and others are getting him. Bring the morning star into your little room. Bring the morning star into your little world. Bring the morning star. Take him. Take him. Four simple steps to make the morning star your north star every day. Kind of like the wise men, it occurs to me. You make the morning star your north star and you follow it just like the wise men. That's how to live this holiday season. That's how to live the new year just ahead. Oswald Chambers summarized all of Christianity, and in my humble opinion, all of Adventism, with this simple, single line. Put it on the screen for you. Christian experience in the New Testament is that of personal, passionate devotion to the person of Jesus Christ. Personal, passionate devotion. Make the morning star your north star. Take your Connect card out, would you please? Guests and members alike, thank you for the way you fill this out every week. Put the, uh, the essential demographic information on the front of the card. Put your email address clearly because if you're going to ask for it, there, there's going to be something to ask for. If you're going to ask for it, we need, to have a, we, we need to have your email address legible. Turn the card over. We call this the next step side of the card. The next step side of the card, box number one. I would like to make Jesus the morning star, my north star in the journey ahead. You know what? That's a no-brainer for me. I'm putting a check mark right there. I invite you to do the same. There's no point in just hearing a message like this or a teaching like this and saying, oh, that was great, let's go eat. No, there's something we can do. Let's make a decision. I want to make the morning star my north star. Now, here's the one that may have something for you. Uh, the second box, I would like further practical details about these four how-to steps for making the morning star my north star. If you put a check mark there, we will send you within 48 hours, if we have an e email address that we can read, we'll send you some practical details to move beyond what you've just sketched here in your study guide. You put a check mark there. You say, Dwight, I've never met Jesus at all. But I'd like to investigate what it means to make him my North Star. You put a check mark here. I'm interested in beginning a relationship with Jesus. We have other material. We will send it in cyberspace. You can begin. Hey, well, listen, why go into the new year without a friendship with Jesus? 
You can begin that friendship. It's as simple as that. You put a check mark there, we'll get that information to you. Our ushers are coming your way right now to receive our morning tithes and offerings and our Connect cards. Before they stand, I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask God to just take this moment in the Advent season and, and seal something deep within our hearts. Oh, God, thank you for this teaching. Dark night rises, we understand that. We're on the planet, Lord. But the morning star rises in the darkness, and for that we praise your name. Thank you for Jesus, who is the bright and morning star. Oh, God, we want to make the, the morning star our north star. So whatever you need to do in the clutter of our lives to carve out that space, please, we give you permission. We want to be alone with the morning star and go through the day with the Lord Jesus. Take our choices right now. May it be deep, deeper than the holidays, right into the new year, deep with him who is our morning star. Receive now our morning tithes and offerings. May they bless you. We give cheerfully with gratitude in Jesus' name. Amen.